0: And as Ike um, said, I'm speaking about evangelism, and Ike is gonna tag team with me um, today, so you'll see more of her face later on um, during the talk. Um, And um, as I always do, I like to start off with a story. So I'm actually gonna share a story of evangelism. So I remember when I was in university, God really started stirring my heart for evangelism and for sharing him and also um, to see signs and wonders and to see people healed and delivered. So um, I remember, I I think literally I got so stirred up and I literally finished watching like so many healing videos of people sharing their stories on YouTube of healings that have received from God because the Bible talks about how Jesus heals, how God heals and he still heals today. So I remember um, watching literally Um, binged um, so many videos on healing and I got so fired up and I was like I'm gonna go to the city center and I'm gonna see who needs healing Uh, yeah so literally that's what I did so I went to the city center and I just started asking random people do you have any pain Um, and people like what (laughs) like why why are you talking to us and I was like yeah because I believe um, God still heals And some people were like, nah, nah, we're okay, we're okay. And then um, I saw like a group of seven lads and I was like, oh, how am I going to go? And then I was like, but I got so fired up. I was like, I'm going to go. So I went um, and I asked the group of guys and I said, oh, um, does anyone have um, any pain? And they were like, why? And I said, oh, because I believe if I pray for you, um, that God will heal you. And they started laughing and I was like, yeah, (laughs) and to be fair, like I was even down to myself at this moment. Um, And then one of the guys was like, well, I have a leg injury um, and I'm in like really bad pain and I really want to play football this season and our first match is next week. And I was like, you can try and pray for that. So um, I literally um, laid a hand on him and I did this thing where I said, um, from a scale of one to 10, how much is your pain threshold? And he said, right now it's probably at a seven. So I prayed for him and I literally just short words because we see um, Jesus, his prayers were short. I said, I'm in the name of Jesus, um, pain go away and God restore his leg and his mobility in his leg. Um, and when I prayed, he was like, oh, my gosh, like, the pain is actually going. And I was like, okay, what is it? He was like, it's probably a four. And all his friends were like, nah, you're joking, you're joking. Like, why are you effing joking for? <laughs> and um, and then I, I prayed um, another time, and it was like, nah, it's actually going. Like, it's it's a two. And then um, I prayed for him a final time, and it was like, all oh my pain, all oh my pain is gone. And his friends were like, no, why are you effing lying? You know, just to, well, literally, that's what they said. <laughs> they're like, well, why are you effing lying for? Uh, and then he was like, no, I'll show you. And he literally, so uh, um, him and uh, him, him and um, myself and all his friends were just standing here. And he literally just ran across all of us. And they're like, "What? what is this? And I had some flyers, um, like, advertising one of my friends' church events. So they're like, what is this? And I was like, oh, come to this event. I didn't go to the event, but I was like, (laughs) yeah, I need to be a better friend. (laughs) Um, But I was like, I was literally had some flyers advertising my friend's church. um, And they literally just took the flyers, took the flyers. Um, And then one of the other guys was like, can you pray for me? And in that minute, God gave me a word of knowledge, um, which is basically, it's like um, God giving you um, a download or understanding of what someone else might be going through. And I literally said that um, you're having a situation with your mom that you want not for. And I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I want to pray for. So I was able to just pray for him and that God would just um, make peace in his family, literally just the shalom over his family. Um, And then obviously after all of that, I was really, really excited. And I remember Monday morning, I was in mathematical finance and people were like, Wale, what did you do this weekend? And I was like, oh, is this my opportunity for my whole lecture class to get saved? (laughs) And I was literally just thinking like, Wow! This is the moment. This is the moment. <laughs> this is the moment. And um, I was, and I, and I basically shared the testimony. So I was like, um, I prayed for people, and I saw some people get healed. Um, and they're like, No way! And I was like, Yes way! <laughs> and and then this girl was like, Tom has a really bad back. Pray for him. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> and I was like, I'll pray for him because you know. It's some of our lectures were like two hours, and you know like you have that break in between, but everyone is still in class, but they're just like that five minute breather. So um, so during the break, they're like, okay. They all turned around, they're like, okay, Wale, well, pray for him. So I now um, laid a hand on his back, and obviously he was like, what is this? Um, so I actually, to be fair, I asked for permission, can I lay a hand on your back? I was like, yeah, sure. Um, and the girl was like, she was so excited. She was like, oh, Wale's gonna pray for you and you're gonna be healed. And she wasn't even a Christian, but she just had so much faith. So um, I laid a hand on his back, um, and I literally prayed for him, and nothing happened. And I was like, oh, let me try two more times. And still nothing happened. And I was like, yeah. (laughs) 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 And then all my my classmates were just looking at me like... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like what happened and then literally what was so funny is that the girl she literally smacked a guy and he was like it's because you have no faith what's wrong with you and I was like yeah sure <laughs>
1: um,
0: and the reason why I t- tell that story is just because um, I realized in that moment that I can share Jesus I can take steps of faith and even if it doesn't work or even if nothing happens um, I didn't die And the fact is that if if it if i do take a step of faith and god meets me there then it means that someone's life is actually transformed but if it doesn't if nothing happens sometimes healing doesn't actually happen in that direct moment actually happens afterwards um you know even if i don't see the result right then you know it still doesn't mean that you know i need to fear embarrassment and that's just something that god really established in me And if we're to talk about um, evangelism, um, evangelism, um, I would basically term it as this. It's the spreading of teachings through public teaching um, or or personal witness. And in our context, it will be the teaching of Jesus. And there's normally two camps of evangelism um, that sometimes it might fall into. The number one, as some of us would know, is someone called a Bible basher. Or another phrase I've come up with is a lovable avoider. So if I was to term a Bible basher, it would be this. Actually, a Bible basher um, originates from Australia. It's actually Australian slang. And it's someone who shares um, their beliefs or their Christian beliefs in an aggressive way. And often what, they might, often what they might say might be true, but it doesn't reflect the heart of Jesus and the way they say it. And a lovable avoider Is a Christian who's well liked, well received from their community, from their friends, from the people around them, but they avoid sharing their faith perhaps um, due to their fear of persecution like we spoke about um, last week or perhaps the fear of not being liked or relatable. And if I'm being honest, in today's millennial culture um, in a society where there's growing tolerance and the growth of free speech, I don't really come across people who fall in the first camp in terms of Bible basher. But however, um, it's really easy um, to fall into the second camp of being a lovable avoider, where we actually do not share our faith. And um, if I was to talk about like, what is the gospel? Why do we share um, the gospel and what is it? Um, I have my lovely whiteboard back. Yay. Does anyone remember the first preach of Imprint London? I think this is, what, our 13th week? Wow, God, we're still here. (laughs) So could you hold this? (laughs) Yes, sure. Okay, so this is something... um, that I actually learned in my internship, and um, for some of you guys will know, because we talked about it um, when um, some of us were in Leicester, but it's called The Three Circles, and I just feel like it's a great illustration. Can everyone see? Are you sure? Don't lie to me. Mm. (laughs) Okay, so here. Okay, awesome. So, The Three Circles. Wow. The devil's a liar. (laughs) Let me get another pen. My God is a winner. Amen. Okay, so let me actually draw three circles. Okay, so I'm going to draw a love heart. Yes. Mm. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Okay, and then I'm going to draw a zigzag. I'll explain what that is. And then obviously I'm going to draw the cross. Yeah. Okay. So, essentially, this is just a crypt synopsis of um, an illustrative example of what the gospel is. So, in the beginning, God created a perfect world where there was perfect union with mankind, and because of that, mankind knew who they were. They were completely secure in their identity, and they were secure in their relationship with God, and everything worked perfectly. Essentially, but what happened? was that over here, mankind decided to do their own thing. And this is where we come across the word sin, where we basically turn away from God's perspective, we turn away from God's desires, his pursuits, and we follow our own perspective and we follow our, our own desires. And as a result, because of sin, it caused this world to be broken. Where we see a lot of strife where we see jealousy where we see murder and where we see a lot of toxic things and for example even toxic relationships and abuse and God looking at this he was like I need to do something that will connect my people back to me I need to do something that will not um, separate my people from me because sin separates us from God so he said that I need to have a perfect sacrifice which is Jesus. So this is where Jesus came in. So Jesus came in and he took all of the sin, he took all of our burdens, he took all of our shames, and he died. And now, when he resurrected on the third day, it meant that whoever believes in him, also their sinful nature breaks. That don't... They also do not need to live under the shame, the guilt, the addiction that once plagued them before because of all of the mess over here. And as a result, through a relationship with God, through a relationship with Jesus and believing in Jesus, we are connected back to our Heavenly Father. And that's how we receive eternal life. Does that make sense? So we're going to go over it in our cruise, um, which is our small groups, um, later on this week. But that is just a quick synopsis of um, yeah, what I feel like the gospel is. And another thing that I'll say, evangelism is essentially sharing the reality of Jesus in our own context. Where in our own way, or perhaps um, in our own relationships, we share his perspective, we share his reality. And why do we evangelize? Why do we actually preach the gospel? Why do we share um, the vision of um, if you believe in Jesus, you will not perish, but you'll have eternal life? It's because Jesus commands us to. And we're to turn to Matthew 28, verse 19 to 20. When you're there, say, oh, yeah. Let me get rid of this board. Awesome. It says, um, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you to the very end of the age. And let's turn to Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. When you're there, say, oh, yeah? Are you guys actually there? Because some of you guys are just looking at me, lying in the house of the Lord. Wow. Okay. So, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation So essentially what Jesus was saying um, in the first verse that we read, that he said, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, that it is our duty to share him. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians that we are Christ's ambassadors, that God has given us the message and the responsibility, the ministry of reconciliation. And what is reconciliation? It's simply reconciling, it's simply connecting people back to the heavenly father and we can do this through our stories, we can do this through our testimonies. And Mother Teresa said this, Christ has no body but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks, which he looks compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands Yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes. You are his body. Christ has no body on earth but yours. So she's saying, we've been given this responsibility. That when God wants to reach someone, very to be honest, I believe that Jesus is a better evangelist than all of us. He is. But it's so precious that God actually wants to partner with us. Wants to, if there's someone... Um, who is perhaps um, struggling with depression, who perhaps is struggling with addiction. And if we have gone through that particular thing, if we have overcome that, then it is our responsibility to also share our story so we can see that person free as well. And it's not something that we need to um, basically force upon that person, but simply an invitation. And that's the heart of God. Like I heard a um, quote that said, God is the perfect gentleman. He will, who will dazzle you, who will offer his life, who will offer his love with you, but who will not force you into it. And there are various ways um, this can be done. And for some of you, my next comment might be um, quite liberating, or for others of you, it might actually be quite confusing. But the actual fact is when it comes to evangelism, there's not one form of evangelism. Okay. And here are some examples of different parts of um, different types of evangelism that have been used in the past, and that's still being used today. So um, number one, friendship evangelism, which is building relationships. Number two, proclamation evangelism, preaching the simple message of the gospel, for example, um, in church, uh, maybe in one of those evangelistic stadium events. Um, Persuasion evangelism, focusing on the evidence, the historical evidence or scientific evidence of Jesus. Um, Number four, servant evangelism, being kind and generous, and showing the heart of God through good deeds. Um, Number five, power evangelism, which involves the works of the Holy Spirit, for example, healing, prophecy, and deliverance. And I want us to quickly look at some examples of evangelism in the Bible. So I actually termed this example that we're going to look at called relevant evangelism. So let's turn to Luke 18, verse 18. Okay, it says, A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, What must I do? So um, just to give um, some context, so a rich young guy came to Jesus and said this. A certain ruler asked him, "Um, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, murder. (coughs) you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honour your father and mother. All these I've kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard is it? Sorry, I kind of lost where I am. How hard... um, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. So Jesus actually got asked the perfect question. Someone came to him, he didn't actually have to go to the person, and this person, who was rich, who was wealthy, came to him and said, Jesus, what must I do in order to have eternal life? What must I do to receive, yeah, to receive eternal life, to actually be saved? And this young guy, he was basically, you know, I've, I've, I've obeyed all the commands. You know, I, there's not one law that I have broken. But for him to actually ask that question means that he knew he was still separated from God. That even though he was perfect externally, he knew that spiritually there was still a disconnect. That there still still wasn't an assurance that he would have eternal life. And I find it really interesting that Jesus actually did not say, whoever believes in me shall not perish but have eternal life. John 3 verse 16. He didn't say that. But he did say this. He says, if you truly want to follow me, then sell all your stuff and then come and then come and follow him. And he didn't just say a fact, but he basically touched on money. And the reason Jesus did this is because, you know, Jesus is not just someone who's just interested in just saying a fact, but he's interested in actually engaging with that person's heart. He saw that this person, that the thing that's separating him from complete devotion to God was money. That this guy had a divided heart. And Jesus has the habit of touching on those things in our lives and other people's lives that are separating that person from Him. And just to give another example, when He spoke to the Samaritan women, many of you guys will know that's one of my favorite stories. But when He spoke to the Samaritan women, the Samaritan women, He was basically talking about this living water, this water where you will never first, this water where you will be completely satisfied. And was an analogy of him basically talking about a relationship with God that will be the one thing in your life that will completely satisfy you, will be the one thing in your life that will completely fulfill you. And when this lady said, give me this living water, Jesus responded, go and get your husband. So what was he doing again? He was touching on that particular thing that was separating that lady from him that lady from being devoted to God. It's rather than being devoted to God, she was a person who perhaps found um, her identity, tried to get her fulfillment from having relationships with so many different guys. And Jesus was essentially saying that if you really want to find a thirst, if you really want to find something that quenches your thirst, then it will take you um, stepping away from depending on these guys. So that's what he does. And sometimes when we are sharing Jesus to um, our friends, to our colleagues, um, perhaps to people in our families, um, something will happen very similar to this situation where um, you might actually receive like, I don't know how to phrase it, but you might actually receive an insight of that particular thing that might be separating that person um, from God. And it's something that God um, reveals to us, even as believers, is because he's so interested in speaking to that person on a personal level. And that's why he reveals it. He doesn't reveal to condemn, but he reveals to redeem. So therefore, if we get words for people, if we get insight, it's it's not our job to condemn them. But he's simply saying that I am revealing this because I want them to know that nothing separates them from my love. And I remember um, one of uh, my friends, um, one of my friends that um, I made a few years ago. um, I remember when I first met him and he wasn't a Christian, but he was really interested um, in Christianity. He was really interested in the story of Jesus. And we'll talk, um, we would go out for coffee, um, and we'll just discuss, and he will ask me so many questions. And then um, we kind of fell out of touch, and I think I didn't really speak to him. And um, I was like, oh, yeah, let's go and grab some milkshakes. Literally, that's what we did. I was like, let's go and grab some milkshakes. Um, so we were having milkshakes, um, and he sat next to me and was like, "Well, you're a pastor, aren't you? You lead a church. I was like, you know this, you follow me on Facebook. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, 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 I know. But he was like, I have some questions for you. And he basically grilled me and he asked me uh, some of the most hardest scientific questions, um, questions about um, philosophy that were um, honestly very, very complex. And um, I tried to answer these questions to the best of my ability and after I asked Um, answered all of the questions, Um, I basically um, said to him, okay, brother, I've answered your questions. Are you going to tell me what's actually up? And he said to me that my grandmother died. And she said, and he said, and she was the one person in my family that actually believed in God. And she was such a beautiful, she was such a pure, she was such a lovely lady. Why did God take her away from me? And that's the thing, that was the thing that God was touching on in that moment. That even though that death perhaps has come into your situation, there's nothing that separates you from me. And that's what he does. And another thing with this thing that I term um, relevant evangelism, in these two stories of the Samaritan women and in the story of um, the rich young guy, we see that Jesus speaks their language. Jesus says to the young guy, that there are treasures in heaven. It's interesting he says that to a rich young guy. It's because that was the one thing that was completely thinking about. He says to the Samaritan women, there's living water. And it might seem um, a bit obvious, but they were literally standing next to a well. And this lady would have understood in her context what it meant to thirst. So Jesus is a person that speaks people's languages and sometimes even some of us in this room um, are Christians and some of us who might not be Christians we might have all been in that situation where someone tries to um, share Jesus or evangelize to us and they use words that no one understands or they say something that's completely irrelevant and the actual fact is that's not what Jesus is like and um, I remember another story when I was actually helping out at Christian. Um, I was I was a student, I think was my, no, I wasn't a student. So what was I doing on campus? <laughs> oh, yeah, so I was an intern for a church. Yeah, so um, I was an intern, and um, Christian Union asked whether I could help out with their missions week. missions week is basically a week that's dedicated on campus to evangelize. Um, and it's really cool because you get... Essentially, there's lots of different events um, throughout the week and you get free food, which is amazing. Um, So they put on this um, big series of talks, um, like really relevant talks um, throughout the whole week. And there was one called, um, Why Does God Care Who We Sleep With? And obviously that just um, dragged so many people in, um, so many people from different walks of life in. And, but there was this one guy, um, so let's say the talk was on Tuesday, there was this one guy um, who came up to me because I was holding a sign for the Wednesday talk. And he was like, oh man, I was really interested in that topic, why does God care who we sleep with? And he came up to me he was, and he said, do you mind if you answer my question, like, why does God care who we sleep with? And honestly, I can't remember what I said, but I basically um, tried to answer it. And we were just having, it was a really cool guy, we were just having a discussion. And um, all of a sudden, um, we got into a conversation about weed. I don't know how that, I don't know the relevance of that, but we got into a conversation of weed. Um, And he said, and I basically asked him, so why do you smoke um, so much weed? Like I was honestly just really interested. And he said to me that, weed just calms me down it makes me um, it makes me think clearly and i just feel like so much peace um, when i smoke weed and as he was saying this i was just thinking that i don't smoke weed but what's the thing that calms me down and what's the thing that uh, helps me to think clearly and before i could even like completely process my thoughts i just Jesus is my weed <laughs> he was just like what and I was like yeah I'm gonna go with that Jesus is my weed. Um, and he was like okay explain and I said just like you like Jesus helps me to think clearly you know his spirit God's spirit living inside of me the Holy Spirit helps me to process things helps me to calm down and I can live in a state of peace that transcends my situation And I said, but the issue is, is that, yeah, weed might do that for you, but you have a cheap substitute, and you actually have to pay for your thing. But I don't have to pay for Jesus. And what was so funny is that he he said to me afterwards, oh, I get this Christian thing now. I understand it. (laughs) And what's really humorous is that in some type of weird way, um, God gave me the ability to speak his language. Um, But that's what he does. Like, he gives us the ability to to speak personally to a person's situation. And we're to look at other types of evangelism, um, power evangelism, and this involves the work of the Holy Spirit. So Acts chapter one verse eight says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So when the Holy Spirit comes, the Bible talks about that the Holy Spirit is our guide, it strengthens us, it's our counsel, but it also gives us the power to see people healed, to see people set free, to physically see people delivered on a physical, on a spiritual, or even um, on a mental level. And it's the authority that we've been given when we say yes to Jesus to do great signs and wonders. And the thing is, when it comes to healing, when it comes to um, laying hands on people who might be um, unwell, it is not a, um, it's not the end result. It's not a means to an end. But the reason why God actually um, heals people is to show him, is to show those people His heart of compassion. It's to show him that He, it's to show people that He is a good God. That He's interested in everybody's story. And I love the situation where um, the women who, in the Bible, were struggling, um, the women with the issue of blood, as she was walking, I can just imagine that she heard so many great stories of Jesus, that Jesus has healed the leper, that he has um, literally prayed for someone, and someone's sight was recovered. And I can just imagine that as Jesus was walking through this crowd, him, he, she just seen Jesus, the anticipation that was going on inside of her. That, oh my gosh, if I could just touch him, then I will be healed. And for some of us who know the story, she touched his cloak and she was completely healed from her situation. Where she was literally bleeding for 12 years. She was healed of her situation. And what Jesus does, what the Holy Spirit does inside of us, is that he gives us the ability, his Spirit working through us, to see other people healed as well. So let's turn to Acts 8 verse 4. And I'm going to call Ica up as well. So it says, so this was Philip who was preaching Samaria. It says, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there, so he shared, this, he shared Jesus. He, he talked about the good news. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks and pure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. I'll read that last part again. Many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. And because um, of the great signs, and because of the great miracles, it gave people um, the opportunity to actually hear the gospel. It prepared a way for the gospel to be ministered. And that's the reality of what happens when we actually take those bold steps to pray for someone. We can actually have the opportunity to be like, you know what, this power doesn't come from me, but it comes from Jesus, who's so interested in you. Amen.
1: Thank you. so Pastor Wally just asked me to share a few testimonies from my um, lab back in Leicester. So I've just finished my Masters in um, Infection and Immunity and um, <laughs> yeah, thank Jesus. And um, when I was there, it was just such a, the things that were happening around me were just so Jesus ordained and all just, um, just so, yeah, it was just so God that, yeah, even when I think about it now, it blows my mind. So. Um, I had uh, two supervisors in the lab, Uh, one was like my main supervisor and um, her name was uh, Primrose and she's this English like woman in her 50s who, she literally looks nothing like anyone that I like in my family or anyone that I'm familiar with and there was another guy called um, Yanis who was this Greek guy who um, kind of like showed me around the lab and there was another man in my lab called Stuart who was another English 50 year old man who was a physicist and during my time in Leicester I'd kind of just been hearing so much kind of like what Pastor Wally was saying hearing about what God was doing in terms of healing like either through like a conference that I'd go to or just reading um the Bible or watching YouTube videos and it was like I was hearing so much about Jesus healing and I was it It kind of like birthed um, like a desire in me to see other people healed and know that Jesus actually cares. And so I remember the first time um, there was like a testimony in my lab. I was um, inside the lab and I was just doing my work and my supervisor came into the lab and um, she was just, you know, kind of saying hi to everyone. And she was walking on crutches and I was looking at it. and I was just thinking, oh, Jesus, (laughs) Um, we're going to have to pray about this. But um, it was honestly kind of really scary, at, like, just thinking about it because I was like, there's nothing I can do. And God was like, yeah, exactly. It's all me. It's not you. And we went into her office and we were just um all kind of like talking with her. And Yanis, um, who was a PhD supervisor, left. And so it was just me and my supervisor left in her office now. And we were just kind of talking. And that morning I'd read a verse in the Bible that said, um, blessed are those who are kind and who um give to the poor. And I was just thinking, this is exactly what this woman is. And she's not a Christian. And people are just always talking about how kind she is. So I sat down and I said to her in that moment, Oh, I read this verse in my Bible this morning morning. I'm a Christian, by the way. And um it just described you perfectly. And she was like, Oh, you know, yeah, it's whatever. And I was, I I felt a bit shut down at first, but I was like, you know what, Jesus? This is this is all for you. It's actually not about me. And we just kept talking. And then I um was talking about more about God and my um, faith and stuff. And then I asked her if I could pray for her knee because she was on crutches and she was like, um, yeah, sure, I don't see why not. And I'm not a believer or anything, but sure. So then I laid um, my hand on her knee and I, we just prayed and I felt in my spirit like something had left. like It literally felt like something left my body. And when we finished praying, she was looking at me and she just looked speechless. And I was like, how does your knee feel? And she said, honestly, I don't know what you did. But it feels better, and she was just looking at me. She always, she was almost teary-eyed, and she was just saying, "I don't even believe in God, but something happened." And I said, "That's Jesus. He heals, and I believe he still heals." And yeah, we just. So I was just like, "Wow, that was amazing!" Like I was shaking inside, but I had to sit that, sit down with her, and we were just. She was just going through her work, and I just kept speaking with her and just just having like having fun, to be honest. And when I left, um, her office and went to another lab she came and found me at the end of the day where I was and she said I don't know what you did but since you left I've done so much more work than I originally planned to do and it was just almost like you were saying how we can share Christ with joy just sitting in that moment with her and just sharing God's joy with her gave her so much grace to just carry on and yeah so that happened and then another time I don't know how much time we have yeah so um a few weeks after um we were back in the lab, and now she was um on crutches, not from her knee anymore, but for her foot and I was just like, What is going on like are you just you just really want Jesus to see you and um I remember watching her again, and I was just like, Oh God, like we have to do something one more time. you have to move and that um uh, Monday was the Monday following the Sunday service where I stepped forward for um there was a a call for prayer for people who just didn't want to be afraid of the opinion of man and I remember stepping forward because I was like god I am tired of feeling like wanting to do something but being so scared about what will this person say how will they look at me and the thing is like I'd heard so much in the news about people who lose their jobs because they preach about Jesus and I was like this woman could really fail me because she doesn't like what I'm saying she's an atheist she's my supervisor she's in charge I could I could get a bad grade if she if she really wanted me um wanted to give me a bad grade but i just felt like you know what this is worth more than just a grade like seeing her know jesus is worth more than that so yeah the second time when she came with her with her foot this time i was just like i started feeling afraid and i was like oh god no we've we literally just prayed about this yesterday i'm not gonna sit down in fear and again, I just felt like Holy Spirit just really empowered me in that moment. And I walked out of my, my lab and I like charged her office and I was like pacing outside her door. And I was like, oh God, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to do it. And then I walked inside and there was someone in her office. And I walked back out and I was like, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. But then I was like, there is no fear in Christ. And like you said, if something happens, great. If nothing happens, I didn't die. So I went back in. And it was her birthday, and I said to her, um, Primrose, I don't have a gift for you physically, but I can offer you something that's much better, and that's Jesus. And she kind of looked at me like this girl is really crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I said, Can we pray for your foot? And I, I asked her what was wrong. She had an infection, and she said they said it will take it will take months to heal. And I said, like, it, it can heal much faster. And she said, well, what you prayed for my knee last time really worked, so feel free to. And I was like, wow, thank you, Jesus, even for that last one. So we started praying again, and when we stopped, she had her mouth, a hand over her mouth, and she said, I felt heat in my leg, and I don't know what you're doing, and I'm not someone who's prone to um, suggestion. So I'm not, I can't be convinced by your words. So something happened and I said, yeah, it's Jesus. He really heals and he really cares about your feet and your knee. (laughs) And um, yeah, she just said, I remember her saying, thank you for sharing that. And I guess people might not encounter people who are willing to share Christ with them in every day. And then just the last story was um, about the man, Stuart, who's a physicist in my lab. He He grew up from conversations I'd had with him. I knew he grew up Catholic, but he kind of stopped going to church many years ago. And we were just, you know, we were talking in the lab and stuff. And I would always come to my lab wearing my imprint church shirt. And he would always ask what it was. And I was like, oh, it's my church. It's about Jesus. And um, just to kind of, you know, God gives us openings um, through conversations, even with people. And I remember just from um, talking to him a few times, he he just seemed like he was holding a lot of grudges. And almost like he was saying, sometimes God would give us insights for people's lives and it's not to condemn them, but to kind of point them to Jesus and say, hey, I know a guy who can can really relieve everything you're feeling right now and it will be permanent. And I just, I remember like sitting down in the lab and just thinking, God, what do you want me to do? And there was a time that I'd come back um, from, it was a Monday again, so we'd had service, the week before the day before and i shared a song with him um and it was good good father and i was like oh this is a really good song you might really like it and he li- he listened to the song and when i came back to the lab he was listening to another song called build my life and i was just like wow thank you jesus like he he chose to press play on another gospel song and there was just um a day where i just really felt like a lot was happening in his life And I just sat down next to him and I said, how was your week? And he said, you know, honestly, it's been it's been horrible. Like the uni are they're battling me and there was just a lot going on. And I basically asked him if he felt any hurt in any area of his life. And he said, yeah, he felt hurt by the uni. And also a few years ago, he'd um, not a few, like 24 years ago, he'd lost his brother to um, a motorbike accident. And the guy who killed his brother got away free. And he said from then on, he kind of questioned how good God really was, if he could allow that to happen. And I just remember sharing with him some of the, I guess, misfortunes that have happened in my life and how God has entered into those situations. And I've really seen that God didn't actually make this happen. And it was never his heart for me to be in pain. If anything, it was his heart for me to come out of the situations and see that God cares and loves. And I just remember saying... um, sharing those with him and i asked if i could pray with him and we prayed together and he um like openly with his mouth forgave the uni and the the man who would killed his brother and which i just really thank god for that and when i went to nigeria um i decided to get them gifts and i was like oh what can i really give him and i got him like this fan and um i gave each one each person a gift and with each gift i had um like a little um Like a poster with a scripture on it and I felt like God was saying it was specifically for them and I received an email from Stuart and he basically said um, thank you so much just for sharing your faith for the first time I feel like I want to reconnect back with God and I was reading this book at the time called God is good he's better than you think and I knew it just wasn't for the book wasn't for me it was actually for him and I gave him the book and Yeah, he was just really appreciative and said... Like, I shared it with my family, like, my wife and my kids. And I said, wow. Because I remember seeing a picture of his kids and they were, like, emo. And I was like, Lord Jesus. (laughs) And, yeah, I just really thank God for everything that he's done. And I think one thing that really changed for me was God placing a burden, like, his burden on my heart. And I remember just... um, just when Pastor Wally said to share this word today, I felt like um, God was basically saying that we are carrying so many of our own burdens and so many of our own weights in life that we can't even let them go to kind of carry God's burdens, you know? And, you know, the Bible says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And he, he wants us to carry his faith. And it's not a thing of you're guilted if you don't if You're condemned if you don't share the word with your um, your colleague, your co-worker. That's not, that's not how God works. He doesn't come to condemn us. He comes to save. And I feel like if um, there's anyone here who just has a fear of opinions of people or if you live in any sort of guilt, that God really wants to break those off tonight. So if we could have the worship team come up.